Thierry Omi said it best this week. It's not about what happens to you. It's all about how you respond. And Arsenal proved that they are the comeback kings. This is another episode of One Kick from Glory. I'm joined as always by the boys. I've got Matthew with me. Yep. We've got Craig with me. Yep. And Marcus is here with us as well. We are going to have some fun today. And I want to start off by talking about the game at Villa Park between Arsenal and Aston Villa. It was a lot riding on that match, a lot of emotion, a lot of passion. The 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 former manager, who we all know the nickname that he was given, I won't repeat it because, you know, his nickname. But he was hoping for a great result. Didn't quite work out for him. I want to start off with you, Craig, looking back on that game. How did you view the match? We're losing. We're losing the game. We came back. They scored again, make it 2-1. It was 2-1 in the second half, late into the second half, and then Arsenal changed the corner technique, and then Tevchenko scored the equaliser, and then the ball came, then they brought on um, Martinelli. Martinelli got the ball, played the ball across, and then he played to Jorginho. Jorginho hit it. A, a, that was a cracking shot. Hit the back of the head of um, Martinez, our former keeper, 3-2. And then Martinez stupidly went went up the other end, tried to score from a corner, unlikely he was going to score. Left it open, Vieira ran out the box, played the ball to Martinelli, and we won the game 4-2. So it was an up and down game. But one thing I liked about the players was they had the courage, the fight, and the determination to say we're not going to lose back-to-back games, and we came back and won the game. So that's good. That's good team spirit. That's good tactics from Arteta for making the change at the right time to get the get, get us to win that game. Another and another season would have lost that game. Yeah, so. I think that's a good point about the changes made. I think. You're right in saying that in different seasons gone by, the, that that comeback wouldn't necessarily have happened. I guess for you, Matthew, looking at how that game played out from a neutral, what would you say was something that you really enjoyed from the match? It was a fun game, but it's kind of funny watching like Emmy Martinez. I'm not gonna lie, I do like the guy, but it's funny you see him making a bit of a prat of himself after that whole fiasco. Like all that bravado from the World Cup final, I don't know where it went. Maybe it got to his head. I don't know, but. Mate, gotta be, but take no credit away from you guys. You still had to get the four goals the way that you did. So, like, that shows good character and like determination. A bit like how it happened with Man United, where they scored, but you say, you know what, it's fine. We got this. We got Plan B. We'll come back again. We'll find, we'll find a way. He made the subs the right way. I'm starting to like see the bit more of a character in Arteta a little bit, especially with the playing games referee that. Like, doing all that sort of thing. I'm like, cool, cool. This is, wasn't necessarily what I've seen for you before, not that I'm watching you all the time, but I like the way that you're getting a bit more of like a, like an attitude and a personality and realising that, you know, this is still all to play for, you know, you've still got that game in hand ahead of Man City. So mm-hmm. like, credit's credit where credit is due. Where is Jorginho scoring goals like this? <laughs> where is Jorginho? Five years he was dealing with us. Five years, not, not one. Penenka, Penenka, Penenka out of literally, someone correct me if he scored a goal that wasn't a penalty. But why is he doing that for you guys, man? What, 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 do, we, what do we do that was so wrong, George? Hey, what do we do that was no, Anyway, but- Many things. Uh, hey, well, he's two-way string, mate. <laughs> take, it takes two to tango, that's what I'm saying. Two, but now, yeah, um, great subs, like, good game, good comeback. So you're back, in the, you're back in the driving seat firmly. What a difference a week can make. So you're firmly in your court. So yeah, all go steaming ahead. Coming up to March, maybe the next games where we can be playing around in March time. It's getting that much closer to the end of the season. So who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you said what a difference a week could make. That really does apply for a conversation we're going to have later on in the podcast where I, I had a great, 
a great perspective that I, I'm going to share on, and it just got dashed away by some inexplicably poor performances, but we're going to get into <laughs> all of that a little bit later on. I guess for you, Marcus, looking at that match in particular, who would you say was the, the key player that really sort of turned things around for Arsenal? Um, look, I, I think one of the things that has to be said, and you have to give credit where credit's due, is to Saka. I think Saka stepped up when things seemed to matter in big games this season and not just this game gone but in games past um i think saka has really stepped up when he needs to and a player that i've been very very impressed with this season i think he's going to that next level yeah he's, he's definitely taken it on his back to be that guy i mean Thierry Henry challenged him pre-game to say like if you you know it's you know if you want to be the main man the main guys aren't nice you know you have to show that you're the main guy and i love that after we scored that exceptional volley like i, f- I feel like that robin light comparison or that kind of title that yeah. i've given him it's becoming more and more proven as the season goes on like i love the goal we scored i love they emulated um Thierry celebration that's saka and balogun that have both had a little chat with Thierry or gotten some feedback through the press from Thierry, and as a re- result they've scored a goal and celebrated it in honor of the great man and i like the fact that you know the the words coming out from around you know arsenal from the legends of of old players that a lot of us as fans look up to. I'm certain a lot of these players look up to. It's like everyone's singing, singing from the same hymn sheet now. And even Omri came out and clarified his whole thoughts about the whole Daniel Ek takeover and stuff and saying, it's not so much that he wanted the Cron case out for being out sake. It's more a case of they there was a problem. Daniel Ek had a solution and he backed the solution. It hasn't worked out. The Cronkers didn't sell. And in fact, the Cronkers have now put their money where their mouth is. So now he's back in, he's back in what the club's doing. And, that, and to be honest with you, you can't argue with that. You know, he had he had an he had an idea, saw an opportunity, didn't work out. But he's not anti Kronke, he's not anti Arteta. He just just wants Arsenal to be the best it can be. And so sometimes his comments have felt like he's against the manager or the club. But actually, it's just he's got you know, as a fan, we have our, our club's best best um, best feelings in mind. You know, best intentions in mind. I guess for you, Craig, just like as as a final thing on this game. Well, not almost a final thing. We'll talk about one other thing as well. But looking at this result as a whole, do you feel like this is now the result that's going to instill in the players the belief that they can actually go all the way. Yeah. If we had lost that game on Saturday, I don't think we would have won the league. I think, I think it would have been awesome. Well, it's not over yet. We haven't yeah. won it yet. Not, not, <laughs> what I mean, what I mean, I mean that we wouldn't feel like we're in a title race or we'd have felt, maybe end of the season we'll look back to this game and say this may be the game that will maybe got us on the final to get to, the, get, get to where we need to get to. There's still a lot, a lot of games left to play. Still got a lot of big game, big teams to play as well. So, but this is a game that last season would have lost. Season before that would have lost. So it goes to show that with a bit of hard work, determination, and not giving up, and believing in your players and a good team spirit that Arteta's have with the, with the squad that we we fought, fought, and we got the win. So for now, we have to do that every game now to be consistent. I know we're conceding a lot of goals recently, and that's a bit of an issue, but. If we can score more goals than we concede, then we win more matches than we than we lose. Simple as that. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Definitely um, getting the goal scoring bit going. The last thing I want to talk about, I'm glad that you mentioned him, um, Marcus, and that's Bakayo Saka. And like I said, aka Mr. Robin Light, there's been a lot of talk about, and, and I've seen it myself throughout the season, just how many tackles and fouls the guy, I mean, he gets kicked a lot. To the extent now where I'm actually getting annoyed for him. Like, 
and the referees aren't really seeming to do much about it. Now, I don't know if that's some kind of inherent bias they might have. I don't know if it's it's they just don't care or they feel like, you know, you should be able to tough it up. But for you, Matthew, when you think about like Hazard, for example, mm. and the amount of kicks and kicks and kicks he got and the injuries he got as a result, and obviously mm. looking at how he is now, how his career is all over the place, do you feel like the referees need to have more care about a player, especially a player that is going to be one of the core pillars for the national team for the next decade? I mean, they've got to look at these players that they're not all the same. Like, not all of them are going to be able to take, not all of them are going to be able to take the kicks, the bumps, the shoves, you know, as well as other players. Like, the likes of Hazard, the like of Zaha, the like of Grealish, now you got the ones like Saka, like absolute trouble magnates. They just, they, they, they attract the sort of thing where, because they know they're the main guy. Whereas like, if you take this guy, um, we take out the team essentially sort of thing. But thinking in the bigger picture, yes, you do got, and he is like a pivotal part of that national team now. He was good in the World Cup, but obviously he had the fiasco with the Euros, stuff like that. But at the age that he is, you want to try and protect him as best as you can. He's still got so much, so much to prove in his future. He hasn't, he's barely reached his peak. He's nowhere near his peak. So we're only understanding he's going to get better. You know, there's a responsibility out there for a lot of the players, especially for, especially where England have been recently. I know we got knocked out of the quarterfinals, but we've been to two semis and we've been to a final. So we led to believe that somewhere along the point in the next, you know, five, six years, we're going to go all the way in one of these international tournaments. He's going to be part of it. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be one of those those players, one of those referees or officials that looks back and feel like that foul was a bit meaty. Look what happened in the World Cup in France. Mm. It was him taken out for their goal. Yep. Prime example, you know, any other day. And I, was, I remember being with my friends, other friends at the time, going ballistic at the foul. Blatant foul. Look at, I mean, like you said, go back, look at Hazard right now. One of the reasons why, he, where he never re- truly achieved that international great greatness was possibly down to the amount of injuries. We got, it got worse when he, got, when he was older. When he got older, I mean, he peaked at Chelsea, but he always thought that there was something else that he could have given had it been, he had he been looked after just a little bit more. They, I'm not saying he's a failure, but you always know that something else was there. We don't want that with Saka because, like I said, he's only getting better. Mm. So football, Premier League rivalry aside, you want to make sure that these players, especially these kind of intricate, tricky players that they're taking, because they make the football exciting. And that's what we're moving towards. That's true. No, that's, that's the future of football. Small, young, close gravity, exciting players, man. That's where it's going to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I think just my, my last point on, on Arsenal players, and then we'll move on to a club that we have a lot to talk about. Um, Eddie and Ketia. And I'm gonna, I want to throw this to both Craig and Marcus. I'll start with Craig first. So are you a little bit concerned with how Eddie's performing the last couple of games? Yeah, I think he's tired. I think he needs a rest now. So the quicker Jesus can get fit, the quicker he gets back into the team to give him a little breather. Because we've got a lot of games to play. We've got Europa League to come back. We've got, that's going to be a lot of games. Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. So we've got that fixes to contend with soon. Contend with soon. Then we've got... um. And then Mourinho got him as the only main striker. Balogun's yeah. out on loan. Jesus is injured. Maybe you could play Martinelli through the middle. Maybe you could play Trossard through the middle and give him a rest. But I feel that right now, you don't want to burn him out. He's played a mm-hmm. lot of games. Since since the World Cup, he's played a lot of games. So, you know, hopefully he can, um, hopefully Jesus can be fit soon, maybe by next month or so, so he can rotate, rotate both of them. Yeah, I think that's going to be important. I, I guess on that note, Marcus, obviously in the game against Aston Villa, Eddie missed... 
Well, he, he made one great bit of play, but Erdegaard missed an absolute sitter. I don't know how the captain missed it. <laughs> like you, he's so I mean, he's so he's been so good this season, and he's put away those chances so well. But he has a habit with with his side foot finishes where he pulls them. It's not the first time he's done it this season. It's not the first time he's done it at Arsenal. He needs to really work on it. But for you with 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 um, Nketiah, obviously he missed the, well, he was unlucky with the header where he just hit the top of the crossbar from the great cross from Ben White on the overlap. And then he had the one-on-one where his touch, his second touch was too heavy after getting played through. I forget who played the through ball through to. I think it was Erdegaard played him in. But anyway, his second touch was too heavy. He tried to chip the goalkeeper and put it over the bar. Just looking at, in terms of a comparison with Nunez, who, who's had his kind of, teething problems with finishing. Do you look at what Nketiah is doing at Liverpool and, sorry, Marcus, and feel like there's enough encouragement in the work he's doing in terms of like, you know, the chances he's getting and just being unlucky? Or do you feel like because he doesn't do a lot outside of the box, he needs to be doing a lot better in those situations? Um, no, I think since the World Cup, um, his contribution has been you know, pretty good. Like, you know, you got six goals um, since the since the World Cup um, started. And for a guy that's since the World Cup finished, and for a guy that's not your number one centre forward, I think that's that's pretty solid. I don't think you can ask for much more than that. And last couple of games, he's been poor because I brought him into my fantasy team. So, you know, shame on me. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. But, but, but like, outside of that, I, I think, you know, when... All things are considered. Yeah, he's had a little dry spell over the last two or three games. But, you know, you've got a double game week coming up um, this week, um, you know, this next period, two games. And, you know, I'm sure he'll play one of the two, um, you know, maybe even potentially start both of them. And, you know, he just needs another goal again. But I, I, I'm I'm actually quite impressed with, with what he's done. I, n- I never look at him and think he's going to be, you know, Arsenal's number one striker at really any stage when Arsenal are competing for, you know, a, a league title and next year Champions League. So I, I don't imagine he'll ever be, um, you know, number one. But he, you know, he contributes. He, like I said, he's he's Arsenal's Steve Akarigi. Mm-hmm. That is actually that great. is so mm-hmm. true. That's mm-hmm. a great so title. True. So In true. Ketia, Arsenal's Steve Akarigi. That that might that's be a title a, for a clip. That's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. We're gonna move over to your your dearly beloved Marcus Liverpool and yay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 so let's start off with the Premier League. We'll get on to what happened in the Champions League a little bit later on. But I, I really was quite pleased with what I saw from Liverpool in the first half. Yeah. And I really felt like this was the start of the bounce back. And, and we've been in the Craig, you said it yourself. You felt like Liverpool are primed to go on a long run. They're going to just start hoovering down points and just clout the table because they're not that far off. They're in eighth, but they're not that far away. And like, but then with the rest of the second half, it was a bit, a bit shaky, but I, I want to start with you, Marcus, on this, on more the positive sign of, sign of things. And, and uh, were you quite pleased with how well Salah, Nunes and Gakpo are starting to now click together as a front three? Um, no, I'm pleased with two of the three. Um, I think, you know, I can't. I can't go all the way. Um, I think. I think Nunez looks bright and has always looked bright. And you know, one of my work colleagues today made a great point about Nunez. They said if if he doesn't have to use his brain, he's one of the best strikers <laughs> in world football. Um, and when he has to use his brain, um, he's useless. Um, and and yeah, it, it does. It does seem to be the case that on instinct, Nunez is 
is very, very good. Um, you know, you, you look at, you saw the ball came over the top to him in the Newcastle game there. He took it down, he got it down well, and he just powered it past the goalkeeper. Like, but if he'd have had no defenders on him and he would have had, you know, lots of time, I've seen Nunes put that wide more than I've seen him score. And, and I think that, that's, that's the thing with Nunes. But I, I'm, I'm encouraged by Nunes. I think Nunes has all, all that he needs to become one of the, one of the top strikers, um, you know, if he can get that finishing consistent. Um, Gapko, I'm pleased with. You know, he's slowly settled. Um, and, you know, once the goals have started to come, he started to find himself a little bit. I think Klopp prefers him in a position that he doesn't prefer to play. Um, you know, so he, plays, he prefers him dropping deep in that kind of, you know, Bobby Firmino, number 10 kind of role, um, mm. you know, and I don't think he necessarily likes that role as much as he would prefer to come in off the, the left, but Klopp seems to, at the moment, like Nunes coming in off the left. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, them two, I think, are coming together quite nicely and well. Salah, I, I, I just don't think looks like he wants to play football um, at the moment, and I, I'm getting more and more frustrated with him as time goes along. I, you know, I know he scored last night, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I just think in general for the for the standards that I expect of someone like Salah, he is an absolute confidence player, and when he's confident and everything's flowing, he's magical. Um, but when he's not and when he's off, I feel like at times he almost goes missing, and and I felt that too much this season with, with, with Salah. So, yeah, that's how I feel about the front three. Yeah, it is. It's a bit of a weird one with them. I mean, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Nunes and, and how he's how he's kind of, I guess, finding his flow. I mean, for you, Craig, looking at Darwin as a striker. I mean, I know there's been lots of comparisons between you know Darwin Nunes and Haaland, and he's a success, he's a flop. But I think we can safely say, and like my colleague work, my work colleague Mo said this as well that like with Nunes, he always has a slow first season in, in all of his new clubs. Second season, he kicks on and then kind of gets the numbers. Do you think now there's a, there's enough? evidence where you can say that Nunes is not quote-unquote a flop there's a player in Nunes like mm. the goal he scored last week against, against Newcastle control bang straight away Pope on his on his back on his backside literally mm. he, he's got the ability I feel like you, you guys just need to play to his strengths have more confidence in him and I think he'll score more next season he'll score a lot of goals so see now at the end of the season if, if Liverpool want to get top four it's between him Salah and Gapo to score the goals because mm. the other players who are coming back from injuries, I don't know how they're going to come into, get back into form, like Jota, Firmino and um, Diaz. So them, them three have got the have got the shirts now are starting, starting 11. So if they want to keep them players in the team and get them up to the top four, they have to start the vid- scoring more goals, winning more matches. Because where Liverpool in the, in, the, in the table is a dire position, like... For where they were last season, from, from last kick of the season, challenging to win the league on the last game of the season, where they are now, it's diabolical. Like it's like, yeah. what happened? I know people said they saw Mane, but Mane is only one player. Mane was a big impact at Liverpool, to be fair and to be honest. But one player can't make you go bad overnight. It can't. It can't be. There must be more. There must be more issues, or must be more situations why they're not doing well this season. I don't know what it is. Marcus might know more than me. He has been a Liverpool fan, but. Being a neutral watching it, I feel that I don't know. It's like you got a player like Van Dyke struggling the season, Gomez struggling the season, Matip struggling the season. Who else? Um, who's that? That their centre back, other centre back. Um, Gomez, Gomez, Matip, Van Dyke, the other one, the French one. 
Canate. Struggling this season. And it's not like, and like he was last season. Him and him and Van Dijk was solid last season. It's true. So mm, so solid. Goes to show. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a good point about about what's going on there. I I, I was thinking about about Liverpool today. I don't think about Liverpool often. Don't worry, <laughs> people listening. Arsenal has. I'm, I, it's just just I've been in a very nostalgic mood this week. Um, but um, I came up with this this I had this thought. So life and football have many parallels. Only a few make it to the very top and achieve glory. However, joyous moments can be experienced by all. Younger fans are often very fickle and reactionary. However, with age and experience comes a different perspective. Now, I say all of this to say, are Liverpool's problems this season just a reflection of the natural ebb and flow of a team's life cycle, or is it indicative of greater problems? I want to land that with you, Matthew, first, and then I want to give you the floor, Marcus, to kind of go into it some more. Because last night, last night we saw Haram football. <laughs> Anyone out there who is Muslim, Haram football from um, Liverpool in their defensive third. Haram football. It was disgusting. Over to you. Um, so is every epidemic of bigger problems? Well, you got that big sale going on, which you confirmed that you're not for sale. There was that. Um, Jurgen Klopp is almost looking like he's losing a little bit of control in that of, I don't know, it's not the same Klopp that we've known for the past few years, you know, the same kind of the dynamism, the energy, the effervescentness, his eccentricness. He's looking like he doesn't know where the next kind of result or performance is going from. I think what Marco says is correct about Salah being a confidence player and seeing as kind of the kind of impact he has maybe affecting the rest of the team. So if Salah's not confident, the rest of the players aren't confident. I I, I don't know. But you've since since Klopp, you've enjoyed a great bit of success, you know, trophies coming in, competing at really high levels, competing on all four points towards the end of last year. Like he's like he just said, how it's just it's a natural ebb and flow of highs to lows. It could be, and take it from someone who knows with my club at the moment right now, it could be a little bit more difficulty coming along the way. We may see, uh, you know, this could be your last Champions League night for a while. Believe me, it's not something I'm looking forward to. Plus of all the other things we've got looking ahead. So um, I think with, especially with you guys, you know how it's been, only 20 years without a title for crying out loud. And May United going through their lack of a title for the past 10 years. I think it happens to every club but it's a test to the fans out there like us who you know we're not the the oldest of fans but we would we've been long around long enough to know how different has football has changed from when we first started supporting you know we are you're at a different stadium we've had how many countless managers and owners but we're still sticking around for the main part which is the game itself so you will spot i'll never stop supporting chelsea no matter how much to try and break my heart i'm stronger than that same way you're not gonna leave your clubs and marcus respectively like it's but it's yeah, exactly it. I'm not wearing it today because it's in the wash, but you know, again. <laughs> but yeah, it's it it shows who are downs f- down for the for the sweat for the struggle. I mean, a lot of people come to me as a Chelsea. I would, and I make this point all the time. I was here before Roman. I was here. We had that nutter Ken Bates. <laughs> I was here when we had. I was there when Chelsea had a bit of sex appeal about you know Leboeuf, Desailly, uh, Lebonk, Wise, Hasselbank. Good Johnson, we're 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 Euro chic a little bit, you know what I mean? Bum down for the struggle, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think I think it's there's there's dark darker days coming by. You're you're clearly on the up, 
and in natural in a natural way, other teams run it down. So yeah, I can understand that completely. Yeah, I mean, j- just before I, I hand it to you, uh, Marcus. I, 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 I was just talk about the Champions League last night. As Mark, as Matthew said, it might be a little while before Liverpool are there again, but you never know. This is Liverpool. It would not surprise me if you beat Real Madrid 4 0 in the It wouldn't surprise me. Mm. I would not be shocked. I'd be shocked Real Madrid not scoring. But I wouldn't be shocked Liverpool scoring four goals because yeah. you, you just mm. are that kind of a team. However, big Champions League night. What's really interesting is about interesting is that there's footage that came on Twitter today or yesterday, are Liverpool fans, very creative fans. Your fan base is the best, really. At 2 a.m. in the morning, Wednesday morning, or Tuesday morning, uh, you set off fire, fire, fireworks outside the Real Madrid players' hotel room <laughs> just to give them extra motivation <laughs> so they knew that they were in for a, a proper treat. And not only, not only did you set off fireworks outside the hotel, you had fireworks on the pitch. You went 1-0 up, great bit of play, brilliant goal. And then Tibor Corto had a moment. Know, do. miscontrol and he just gave the ball to Salah and Salah was just like thank you sir that's me that's me done for the night that's my goal <laughs> done I'm happy oh second goal but um and then after that Alisson with just and you know what people make mistakes but when you watch it back he's too casual mm. he thinks he's got too much time and he just passes it against Vinicius and it's the one player who you don't want to kick the ball against. <laughs> Ceballos, it might not go in. Um, Rodrigo, it might not go in. Like even Benzema, it might yeah. not go in. But Vinicius, yeah. the form he's in and, and all the other backdrop behind him and the, you know, the way how he's been treated in Spain and all that kind of controversy, you knew it was going to go in. The guy, <laughs> but the absolute capitulation from that point on to not respond, you know, Real Madrid, Courtois gave away a goal and Real Madrid fought back got forced that goal off Allison and then got the goal for 2-2. And Liverpool players never rose it to to, to kind of dig out Allison. For you, Marcus, I know in the previous podcast you, you were concerned about Klopp and you felt like this might be the indications of the end of the cycle. Not necessarily saying that, well, maybe he should go, but things have got to change. Do you feel like this game, in this competition with so much heritage for Liverpool behind it, to lose in this manner... Do you feel like now something needs to be done, whether it be the captain coming out and making a statement on behalf of the players, the manager maybe maybe to reconsider what he wants to do going forward, but something has to change because your owners, your ownership have absolutely let you down this season. Like we've been there with the Cronkays when they haven't done what needs to be done and we've been frustrated. But I think looking, looking at things on reflection, your owners have been grossly negligent, arrogant and damn right lazy. Yeah, look, I, I think our owners have won everything as well. So, you know, I, I don't see why they would care. Um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, they have no 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 actual investment in the football club in a way in which they have to care. Um, none of them are Liverpool fans. None of them have any investment in the city. None of them live there. None of them are watching the games every week. You know, why do they need to care? They've won everything. They, they did what they aimed to do at Liverpool. And now they know that, to, you know, they, they, they know that they did that because they managed to get a manager that was way above the level. And he took that team, you know, on a, I say budget, but compared to the likes of the other teams around them that was winning the competitions, a budget um, and won everything. And, and then they've left him and hung him out to dry. Um, and, 
you know, they did so in January, you know, there's this kind of frustrating attitude with Liverpool when they're on top that they don't feel the need to strengthen from a position of strength um, as well as they should. And that was kind of the feeling after the summer transfer window. And then, you know, January obviously is a harder window to get what you want. And Gapco is a good signing, but not what's needed. Um, you know, I, I, I've gone through everything on that. But in terms of in terms of last night, it was the worst result Liverpool have had in the Champions League in history. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think there is a there is a, a, a kind of, you know, fear with Real Madrid when it comes down to Liverpool. And, you know, even at 2-0, you just have to give it to Real Madrid. They They are not scared of anything. Like, they just... They calm. They play their football. They pass the ball around. They, they, they. You know, they let Liverpool come onto them, and they just try to keep their rhythm and their flow. And their players are experienced, and and also you see that in Ancelotti. Like you know, there, there was no difference in Ancelotti's reactions on the touchline at two 0 down than there was at five two up. And and you know, whilst I I obviously hated watching it. And, you know, pretty much every minute from 20 onwards was was painful. Madrid have beat us five of the last six times they've played us. They've beat us in two Champions League finals. They knocked us out in the quarterfinals a couple of years ago. Like, we, we, we struggle against Real Madrid. And, you know, look, who doesn't? But, but at the end of the day, I think this club have had some seriously painful scars and trauma from Real Madrid. And I think that makes things difficult. Um, and yeah, can Liverpool win 4-0 on the burnabout? Of course they can. Will they? Probably not. Like, you know, I, I would expect goals from, from Madrid. And, and I think this tie is pretty much dead and buried. But, you know, I also said the same thing when we were 3-0 down to Barcelona as well. So, you know, I'll stick with the story. We've got nothing to lose. We'll go and we'll play. And we'll see where we come out at the end of it. But yes, something has to change. We need six or seven new players in the summer or we need a new coach. I, I'm still I'm still supportive of Klopp because I think with the right squad and given a refresh, he's still the right, you know, a world-class manager that can take this club, you know, back and win a lot more. But if that refresh isn't going to happen with five or six players in the summer, then, you know, maybe it's going to have to happen with the manager. Mm. Yeah, and I think the sad thing is that you, you've. Because I, I don't know, ha, have you replaced Julian Ward? Um. So we replaced. We we no no technically not like we we yeah. have we had a director of football who was in um and then Julian Ward took over but left pretty quick or decided he was leaving pretty quickly and then also the CEO stopped doing the day to day management stuff so that 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 triplet between Klopp. Ward and the CEO, um, and it was Edwards before that, um, was was kind of where we was at in the day-to-day runnings of the club. But, you know, I, I think, you know, there, there, are, there are bigger issues um, at Liverpool, both on and off the pitch. And like you say, director of football, um, that can kind of move things forward in the right direction. Um, there was talk in the summer that a couple of the signings weren't signings that was unanimously agreed upon, um, including one Darwin Nunes. Um, so yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. We'll have to see what happens. But, you know, I think there's hope in the Premier League for a top four finish still. We're, we're not as far off as, as I thought we was, all things considered, and we have a couple of games in hand. Um, but, you know, we also have to get this Real Madrid 
game out of our head and not have it affect us as we have a double game week coming up this week too. And, and also, you know, not be so badly damaged by them again in three weeks time that it affects us in the three Premier League games that follow that as well. Yeah, my, my concern is, is as a double game week, I need to put Liverpool player in. So you don't need to fix up because I can't be losing out on fantasy football points. Like <laughs> I need them points. So t- t- tell your boys to sort it out because that's not, not acceptable. But speaking of players, going to switch it up a little bit now because we've seen Vinicius Jr. run amok at Anfield, tra- turned it into his playground. Sorry, Marcus, but it's the truth. And so it got, it got, you know, it kind of inspired this thought which Marcus had, which was like, who are the best under 23 players currently in, of this generation? So uh, we all kind of put together our 11s. I'm going to start with mine, actually. You know, I'm going to reel off my 11 players. I'll go over to Matthew next, then Craig, and I'll end with you, Marcus. So my 11, in goal, I've gone for John Luigi Donnarumma. Left back, I've got Alfonso Davies. Centre-backs, I've got Saliba and Guardiol, the Croatian defender. Mm-hmm. At right-back, I've got Rhys James. Central mid, I've gone for Jude Bellingham, Pedri and Jamal Musiala. And my front three is Vinny Jr. on the left, Bukayo Saka on the right, and the Brock Lesnar of football, <laughs> Erling Haaland through the middle. Who have you got as your under-23 squad? So starting from the how Donovan was under twenty three, yeah. yeah well, he's been playing for yep. a, he's been playing for a long time. He's you been know, playing for forever. That changes my choice. Well, I'm gonna go with my original choice anyway, and because I, I'm only I'm going with players that I know of well enough. So um, it's gonna be a controversial one, but I do think he's a good keeper. I'll go with uh, Melier from Leeds. I think there is a good keeper. I think uh, he's a good shot stopper. Um, but I think there's he's, he's a crap defensive for him and really lets him down. He's really let down by a bunch of jokers. Uh, right back, I've gone with James. I've changed that. Right back is James. Left back, I've gone with Saka. Funny enough, I think he's better. I think he's. You pretty, don't play as a left back though. He's best on it. He's he's good on the left though. He, he can play as a left back. He can though. If he doesn't play there. Okay, I'll go with my second choice. Oh, <laughs> he can. Had to have him in the team. Had to have him in the team. I might put him somewhere else. So left back's going to be uh, Alfonso Davis. Centre backs are going to be Fofana and um, what was the one I had? Oh, Mark Guayhi from Crystal Palace. Hmm. In the middle, I have got. Wait, I got a piece of paper. Go get the paper out, man. Go get the list out. Go take it seriously now. I've got in the midfield, I've got Declan Rice. I've got Bellingham and I've got someone else in there. I've got Caicedo. And at the front, I have got Vinny J. I've got, I put Saka on the other side, obviously. And I too have got the Brock Lesnar of football as well. So that's my 11. That's my 11. Right. Very good. Greg, who have you got in your 11? I got, you got this one's a surprise. I got Costa, the goalkeeper who played for Portugal in the World Cup. He's under 23. Okay. Okay. I got Frimpong who plays for Bayern Leverkusen, very good right back, up and coming right back. Mm, I was thinking of him, Jerry Frimpong. I was got sure. Gardevoir, centre back for Croatia. I got Saliba next to him, centre back. Left back, I got Mendes to play for PSG. Mm. Um, on the right way, on the right wing, I got Saka. And in the middle, I got um, Bellingham and Pedri with Masala um, on the left. And then up top, I got Haaland and Makoku, who plays for by for by Dortmund. Yeah, the seventeen-year-old. I think he's got good potential. Very good. That's that's my eleven. 
If I'm missing out anyone, then I got Raphael Leal. I got Raphael Leal as well, who plays for AC Milan. Yeah, he's a good player. Very good player. Doku. He had 11 with Haaland. All, All right, right, cool, cool. And then, Marcus, who have you got as your 11? Okay, my 11. Donnarumma in that. Reese James, reluctantly, at right back. Um, <laughs> Leave it out. De Ligt. <laughs> De at centre-back with Botman. Davis at left-back. Who, who's alongside De Ligt? in Botman. Sven Botman. Botman, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Botman, yeah. What about him? Um, Bellingham in central midfield with Pedri. Um, Musiala in Cam. Yeah. With Saka right, Vinny left, Harlan through the middle. Wow. So a few repeats there, but for all of us got the same almost got the same midfield. Yeah. yeah. Masala, Bellingham, and Pedri. Front three, yeah. Front three. You know what the fascinating thing about midfield is think about the players that didn't make the cut. Obviously, you had Jack and Rice, he was an option oh, for so mine. Ga- Gavi. I had Gavi. I had Gavi for mine as well. I had to pick one of the twins. I was, I was Pedro yeah. Gavi. I just feel like Pedri's just got a bit more. I yeah. think so. Not too. a lot more, but I feel like he's just, he's just more all rounded. Hmm. But yeah, and then the and then you know you're also though. missing out two of Real Madrid's French superstars, yeah, Shemani and Camavinga. Camavinga, yeah. but Rod- you know, Rodrigo, I, I, yeah, Rodrigo? Rodrigo as well. Rodrigo, yeah, Rodrigo, yeah, the the, the, the winger, the rat winger, Rodrigo. Yeah, 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 from yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah, name Brazil is twenty one. He's twenty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Rodrigo Goyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not, not I was, one. I was not thinking um, of the other Rodrigo. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised I missed out Jeremy Doku. Oh, Jeremy Doku as well. He, yeah. he, needs, he needs a big move to someone. Like, he He's needs a big electric, move. Like. Man. He'll, be, he'll, he'll show, do well at Newcastle. Like him on one wing with, um, oh, what's that guy, Maximan. Yeah. Them two together would be dangerous. Electric. Yeah. This goes to show. I mean, Mbappe would have been my striker, but obviously he turned 24 this, this earlier in the year, which is just a bit unfortunate. Um, same with um, Hakimi. He just missed out. He's 24 yeah. as well. But... It just, I mean, foot, the future of football is in good hands. I mean, up front, the other option would have been Victor Oshiman, who's having yeah. this exceptional oh, season yeah. Yeah. in Napoli. And then on, on the right wing, you've got uh, his um, his teammate. Casavali? Yeah. Casavali, how do you say it? I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know he means Cavalli. I can't pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that guy. Gunman. Like, <laughs> them two are ripping it up, man. Also, also Ansu Fati. At right mid, yeah. The reason, the, yeah. the, the, the reason why no one didn't pick him because of his injuries. If he had less injuries, I think he'd be more higher up I, the I rankings. Mean, it's not only that. What did, what, what did Xavi say to him the other day? Because they had a conversation. He said, "Oh, you might want to learn Arabic or Japanese." <laughs> what the other languages? He said, "You might want to learn those languages for it." He said, oh, how, how, "How am I going to get more Cape time next season? Learn Arabic." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how peak that is! It's basically telling you you're gonna be gone off and shipping you out. Like, learn one of those languages if you want more game time. It's crazy. Jamie. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, injuries is a big factor, but it just feels like his development has just fallen off a cliff. Yeah, and I think maybe giving him a number ten was too little, too much, know, too fresh much, or. too soon. Too much I mean, Mason or. Mount could have been in, could have been not in on this form, not on current form, and and maybe a move to Liverpool might rejuvenate his career because there's been a little bit of paper talk that that could be on the cards. Liverpool are looking at his situation. He wants more money, um, he ain't getting it. I, I feel he's like he, he's, he, all, you know. he's also 24. Oh, then Mason Mount, you're, you're too old to be this inconsistent. <laughs> 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 to be doing better. Kai, ha- Kai <laughs> Havertz was there. 
Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz probably could have, but I, I don't think he's that good, to be honest. Not starting. Just don't start him off the bench. I don't think he's that good. Jao Felix, I, could, I, I saw him and I just dismissed him. I was just like, you're at, you're in the wrong colour, mate. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to talk about the, the TikTok superstar who plays left wing for Chelsea. I'm not going to mention him. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, obviously Martinelli. Oh, could oh, also, not, not, Martinelli. Mm. also not, not to be harsh, but um, Declan Rice is also twenty-four. He's not. Uh, need a new centre midfielder. Sorry, Matthew. Oh, Rice and peace. Rice and peace. <laughs> <man. laughs> He's right. Ganacho could have been one for as well. Ganacho's a good player, often coming player. I think he's a good player, but he's not touching anyone in the any of these other players. In, a, in the next two seasons, maybe. Yeah, I'm talking about right now. Yeah, he's well, not what about Anthony? Anthony who? One person United. Oh, Alanga, Anthony Alanga. What, the no, Beyblade? No, the Brazilian the one. The one, does, the one that does the, the, the skirt and dart. Okay, listen. The, the only Man United player that I would consider putting in this list, and and I mean consider, is maybe Sancho. Yeah. Is he, and that, is he, is he at the right age? And that's after three yeah, he's yeah. right. That's after three drinks on a night out. I might put Sancho in the contention. I don't think I don't think he's done enough now to be in that conversation. Two, two, two years before, ago, two years ago, you'd, yeah. he'd be one hundred percent in that spot. He's walking, yeah, he's but walking. he's on his way back. Mm. You know, he's not there yet. Uh, he's on his way back. You know, if we were to make the age gap a bit higher, we know Rashford would comfortably be in that squad. But he's mm. not. He's not a child anymore. No. He's a man. He's a man. So his, the stands we judge him by is different. Like Saka stepped his game up this season, but even he knows that. The bar's now higher. So, you know, he needs he's, he's actually on the verge of getting double figures, goal and assists for the season, which which puts him in like that it puts him in legendary category of Premier League players. Well, well, puts I'm him saying, in the category of Mike Lone. All I'm saying like is that. that if he doesn't win PFA young player of the year, the season's gonna be a robbery. He could be in convention. I, I think Saka's in contention it. for both. Yeah. yeah. If right it's in, I I feel Saka and Rashford and Haaland for player of the year. Oh the God. I'll daily. And Odegaard, Odegaard as well. Odegaard, yeah. Them four, I would say. I would say out oh, them four because the season they're having, if, if Rashford continues scoring, he'll break, he's, he's almost almost broken a record for how many goals away Rooney scored in a season at that, at that age. So he will definitely, if he continues this way, he'll break it. Yeah. Do you know one player I'd put in contention who you've not mentioned? Who? Harry Kane. What? Has to be, yeah. Player of the year. He's having a great year. He is having a great year. But, uh, obviously, it's not quite worked out. But... I guess to to wrap it up because I feel, I like that we're talking about player of the century of the of the season contenders it's and true. there's one person I want to mention as a manager of the season candidate and that's Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest. Mm. I think the job he's doing, considering the the, the players they had to bring in in the summer, the massive upheat uh, the turnover from all the players they had last year who had to left because their loans ended or contracts ended or all this other kind of stuff, mm. and then the dealings they did in January. I think. You know, the work he's done at Forest this year is tremendous. And I want to hand it over to you, Marcus. It's like just the final point on this. Do you, would you agree that Steve Cooper is in, in contention for manager of the season? Yeah, look, I, I think there's just a couple of things on that that I would say, I think if Arsenal win the league, Arteta wins manager of the year. And and I also think there's a case for Eddie Howe, um, depending on where things end, end up at Newcastle. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, Forest was expected to get relegated in their 13th. So, you know, there's still a long way to go and a lot could happen between now and then. Um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, obviously it's a, it's been a good start for the season. 
um, for them. And, you know, he's doing a solid job, especially considering there was talks of him losing his job quite early on into the season two mm. there. Um, the, the, the one other thing I wanted to give a shout out to with these teams um, was maybe my only differential player that none of you picked, which was Sven Botman. Um, and, I, I debated between Botman and Saliva for quite a while on who I was going to have in my team. And really what it came down to was Botman won the league with Lille in France and was the key defender in that Lille team, along with Jose Fonte and winning the league before moving to Newcastle. And then has moved to Newcastle and have, Newcastle have the best Premier League defence by a mile. They've got like eight or nine goals um, before you find a team that has a better defense than Newcastle. And Sven Bottenham, Sven Bottenham is the key in the, in the, in the center of that, that defense. And, and I genuinely think in terms of his characteristics, his qualities, his abilities, he's got the potential to be one of the best defenders in world football. And, and I think he's underrated maybe because he's at Newcastle and didn't make a move right to the top level. But I think he's doing everything in his career very, very smartly. Still only 22, still only developing. Um, but I think is a really, really good shot. And I would have gone Botman and Delit, sorry, Botman and Saliba. Um, if it wasn't for Delit, who has already done so much in his career up at the, up until you know twenty three, um, but yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Botman there as well because I think you know in this kind of you know dynamic, he's someone who deserves a, a bit of a shout out. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, I didn't really, I didn't really think much of his age, but now that you say it, yeah, he's he's just been such a great surprise package Very for Newcastle, surprise. and he's adapted to the league quite well. And I think both him and Saliba have helped elevate the game of their partners. Because I think Gabriel's having a great season, but his, his the good work that Gal- Gabriel is doing is overshadowed by how calm Saliba is next to him. So he can be that rock and that kind of crash and thunder and Saliba can just be the smooth, silky engine. And you want that as a partnership. And I think that's that's a good place for us to end. Obviously, Man United are having a good run of form. Chelsea are in the toilet. In fact, mm. <laughs> um, Real Madrid have scored more goals in England than Chelsea have scored in this calendar year. Mm. 23. Oh, dear. Conceded 23. Literally, the five goals Madrid <laughs> scored yesterday is the same amount that Chelsea have scored in 2023 so far. Do you want to, do you want me, Shocking. Do you want me to hammer it home a little bit more? So I found this out. We've won two in 15. We've won one oh, game yeah. this calendar year in 2023. And I think someone, I think our last game win was Palace. Before that, it was like Bournemouth or something like that. And I genuinely cannot remember the last time we scored more than one goal in a single game. Well, I tell you what, we're, we're going to find out when that turns around soon enough because it can't keep going on like this. Either Potter will figure it out or he'll get fired. Someone and else we will. And we will be here either way. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Do you think Potter will turn it around? Do you think Chelsea will be relegation candidates as the year drags on? Who knows? Who knows? But one thing we can say for sure, the top four is definitely not going to Stanford Bridge this season. That's us <laughs> signing out and we'll see you all next time. Be safe.